Welcome to the podcast from Church of the Nazarene. Please subscribe to this podcast for the latest updates and new episodes. And you can also search for the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. We also invite you to join us each Sunday morning at 9 on our YouTube channel or Facebook Live. You can also join us in person at 9 or 1030 for our English services or 1145 for our Spanish service. We also invite you to join Celebrate Recovery every Monday night at 630. Thanks for listening. Well, hey, I'm Margaret. I'm the pastor over Outreach. It's good to be with you all this morning. Good to see your faces. In January of 2020, I boarded a plane to Lima, Peru. Um, I was going to meet the Operation Christmas Child team to deliver shoeboxes in and around the city of Lima. And when I finally got to my hotel room that night, about 2.30 in the morning, I glanced at the newspaper laying there in my room, and I read this word for the first time, COVID-19. Like you, I had no idea the trouble that would come our way over these next two years because of that word. And today, we're still making our way through James. I think this is about the 16th lesson. And he is writing to Jewish believers who are living in hard times. They had been persecuted and scattered abroad. There was a famine in the land. And in James chapter 1, he tells them, when trouble comes your way, not if trouble comes your way, but when trouble comes your way. You see, the early church was experiencing hard times. We can relate to that a little bit this morning, can't we? We've been living through a pandemic. We've experienced things in the last two years that I never really thought I would see in my lifetime. And we find in our text today that James is writing a letter to coach and to correct the early church, all for the purpose of drawing them closer to God. He wanted them to be doers of the word, not just hearers. He wanted to be doers of the word. James understood that on the other side of the hard things they were facing, that he would see that there's purpose in the pain. Today, you will hear his passionate plea for believers then and now that we would be all in for Jesus. If you would stand, we're going to read the word. You all stood a few times this morning. But we're going to read the word. We're going to read our passage. It's James 4, 7 through 12. Um, you can go on the YouVersion app under events and find the sermon notes for today. If you don't know how to do that, please stop by the next steps. If you hear that each Sunday and you're like, what does that mean? Go by next steps and we can help you with that. Um, the scripture um, will be on the screen and you can follow along in your Bible as well. James 4, 7 through 12. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, 
and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? You may be seated. I wish I could read your minds right now. Sure, I know there's all kinds of things going through it, like where you're going for lunch, the game later, um, meal prep for the week, maybe you have assignments due. But beyond that stuff, what comes to your mind when you hear a text like this? In one sweep here in chapter 4, James is calling his readers to turn away from anything and everything that could hinder them with their closeness to God. Today we're going to try to unpack what it means to be humble. How are we to humble ourselves so that we can be recipients of God's reconciling and purifying grace in our lives? Lord, we need you. These are words that I believe James had lived. He understood. He was on the other side of it. And God, today I pray that you would help us to open our minds to this powerful truth. Would you open our hearts? And God, would you do a work in us to help us to become closer to you? Help us to have that victory in Christ that we so long for in the places we struggle. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. When we read in James, it really, uh, the book of James reads a little bit like the book of Proverbs. But our text today really reads more like Ten Commandments for the Behavior of Believers. Specifically, James starts with two commandments, and there are two commandments about God that are sandwiched around one about the devil. Specifically, there are three critical actions in this text. Submit to God, resist the devil, and come near to God. We could maybe call that a victory sandwich, right? Like we, God is the bookends on this. Um, he is the one that um, is the important person here in the sandwich. Submit to God, resist the devil, come near to God have so much to do with humbling ourselves before the Lord. There are some actions in the following verses that support the first three commands and get us to verse 10. 
But these are the big ones. Submit to God. Resist the devil. Come near to God. And we are the initiators of these commands. As believers, we have a responsibility to respond to God in humility. Notice the order here. Come to God, and he will come near to you. There is a redirection that needs to happen. And God is calling us to take a step of faith that he then will honor, not the other way around. When our oldest daughter, Sydney, was about 13 months, we ended up in UVA. Um, she had E. coli. She, when the doctors came in the room and they told us that her kidneys had failed, that she didn't have enough plasma in her blood to make a blood clot, that she was partially paralyzed and blind. I was also three months pregnant with Olivia. In that moment, our world was rocked. My world was rocked. And I remember hearing all of that. And I remember the doctor walked out of the room and my mother-in-law broke the silence and said, we need to gather around her bed and pray. I began to weep. And my tears were bitter with regret, sorrow, and fear. I seemed to be so far from God. You see, I had turned away from him and for years had went headlong down a road of sin. Honestly, I thought I had gone too far to ever be forgiven. I just remember crying and wondering if God would hear me if I prayed. I was desperate. And I remember standing there in that circle of friends and family who had came with us to UVA. And I remember standing there and I remember Sydney's bed is over here. And I remember so specifically, God brought it back this week, of that moment when I turned and walked to her bed. And I prayed for the first time in a long time, years. I wanted to believe in those moments that God would hear me and that he would answer. Long story short, within 48 hours, she had gained her sight and her mobility. And five days later, we were home with a little girl that God had performed a miracle on. It's actually written in her chart at UVA that she is a miracle. That was the beginning of my journey back to faith. In that moment of crisis, I made a choice to believe that God could intervene. When I turned to him, he met me, and he worked in a mighty way. And you know what's interesting? I was walking through the lobby last week, and somebody walked up to me and said, do you remember when Sydney was so sick at UVA? And I said, yeah, I do. She's like, I prayed for her. I prayed for her. I wasn't the only one praying. Many people prayed. But God met me in a mighty way. You see, the three commands in our victory sandwich are all pointing us up to verse 10. That is to humble ourselves before the Lord and he will lift us up. These three actions 
are building up to help us get there. Each one of these commands calls for a decisive action in rooting out the sinful attitude of pride. The first one, submit to God. Submit means to line up under. This word was used when soldiers lined up under the authority of their commander. It requires a willing accepting of that authority. Not a grumpy, half-hearted line up under authority, but a willing heart. It is a subjecting ourselves under God's authority. It's being attentive to what he says. To simply put, it means to obey. Trusting enough to believe that he has our best interest at heart. It makes me think of my granddaughter who's about a year and a half old. She doesn't always want to do what she's told. She's in the climbing stage and she thinks she's invincible. Submitting is hard, no matter what the age, right? She doesn't understand why she can't climb up the stairs and climb on chairs. But her parents understand the consequences of a fall, right? We've been there. They know what the dangers are. Same is true for us and God. Instead of acting wild and running amok, God calls us to submit in all areas of our life. He knows what is best for us. And you know what? The enemy knows our weak spots. If I ask you to fill in the blank, I struggle with blank, what would you put in that blank? We all have a blank to fill in. We all have a blank. We all have a struggle. Many, some days. One thing that I struggle with is believing the best about people. I hate to tell you that, but I struggle with that. At CR, we call that stinking thinking, but anyway. Um, in the last two years, I have struggled to surrender my opinions, to care more about the other person than I cared about being right. We must be able to identify what our weak planks are because the devil knows. He knows what they are, and he knows where we are most easily tripped up. James says, submit to God. He goes on, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Resist literally means to take a stand against. This is the flip side of the first command. Resist literally means to take your stand against something. You see, we are taking a stand in one camp or the other. That is, we are either taking a stand in Satan's camp or God's camp. There is no middle ground. There are two camps. We are under the authority of one or the other, under the authority of Satan or the authority of God. Listen to what the Apostle Paul wrote to the believers in Ephesus in Ephesians 2. He said, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. 
He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. This message is written to believers. This message is for us, the church. When we think of sin as obeying the devil, it makes us think about sin differently, doesn't it? The good news is this. When we place ourselves under God's authority, we are ultimately taking a stand against the influence and the authority of the devil in our life. And then we have this powerful promise that comes next. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Jesus is driving home this submission to God. When we choose to turn from our sin and seek him, he is really saying, hey, the ball is in your court, believers. He is there waiting for us to do that about face and turn to him, to turn from sin and turn to him. And when we do, we find ourselves in a beautiful collision with the grace of God. God knows what we need, and he is there waiting for us. Back to my granddaughter for a second. I am that grandparent, I guess. I love to watch her parents with her. When she doesn't listen, they correct her so lovingly. They stay firm in their form of redirecting her steps, and they are never far away. The same is true for us. God hasn't moved. We have. But when we turn to him, he is there. He is there. Next, we have a series of commands that are leading us towards humbling ourselves before God. Wash your hands. This means to turn away from anything that is not pleasing to God. Purify your hearts. Repent. Be sorry. Cleanse that root issue that is causing these attitudes and actions of sin that we have. Maybe we have a root of pride in our life that is that we don't trust God's authority. James says for us to grieve, which really means to feel miserable about your sin. Don't brush it off. Mourn. Be sorrowful. Quail. Understand the heaviness of our actions. And I can tell you all that I couldn't get up here today and share this with you without God doing a work in my heart. And all of these, this last little list, they've all been real in my life this week. As he has showed me places that I needed some redirection in. You see, Ephesians 6 tells us that we are in a battle. There is a battle for our soul, and it starts right here. It starts in our mind. And the enemy tries to make us believe that God is the one who is not for us. He is so good at that. Just like he did Adam and Eve in the garden, he is the great deceiver. He tells us that what we're doing isn't as bad as someone else. He wants us to wallow in our shame and regret of the past. He wants us to fear the future. And I don't have to tell you that we are living in a world of fear and anxiety. It's in the church. It's outside the church. It's everywhere. We're living 
in this fear and anxiety. And the enemy conjures up all different kinds of scenarios to cause us to fear, to cause us to lose sleep. And he is persistent in his maneuvers. Throughout this series, we are making connections to what we're learning in James and how it coincides with what Jesus taught. So we're going to jump over to Matthew 4, where Jesus has been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. Scripture says he was hungry. That seems like a real understatement to me. 40 days and 40 nights. He has been fasting. No food. I can't imagine how weak he must have been. I mean, I had a weak moment this week and just pulled into Burger King and got a Whopper Jr. and fries. You know, I didn't feel like I could make it home. He's been fasting for 40 days. And so the devil comes and he tempts him. Three times he does this. And the third time, it says, Then the devil takes him to a very high mountain and says, All of this I will give you if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus says, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. You see, the Father's will for Jesus' life was the cross. Satan offers him the very kingdoms that he came to earth to die for. And as powerful as Satan may be and as frail as Jesus must have been because of that extended fasting and the intense temptations that he faced, Jesus vanquishes him with a word. Jesus was tempted, yes, but he did not sin. Jesus understood the mission of his life. He was thinking about more than just himself. And if Jesus was tempted, what makes us believe that we won't be? We must be prepared. We must be prepared. You see, giving in to temptation has a ripple effect that changes and affects the lives around us. This past week at Bridgewater College is a good example of that. All of what happened started with a thought. So many lives affected by one person not considering the cost for himself or for any other lives on that campus and beyond. There is always more at stake than we first think. There is always a cost when we sin. There's an old saying that says sin will take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. At no point does Jesus consider the temptations of the devil, but immediately and clearly resists him. You see, James is driving home a key part of submitting to God. We are decidedly turning from sin and turning to him. Seeking God. 
Jesus' obedience points us to humility. We do the humbling. That is, we turn to the Lord and we admit our need to him, and he does the lifting. James says, humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. On that night before Jesus was arrested, he took the towel and the basin and he knelt down and washed the disciples' feet. He took on the lowest form of a servant. He washed the feet of Judas who would betray him. He washed the feet of Peter who would deny him. Knowing what they would do, he served them. What a picture of humility. Later, he told Peter that Satan had asked to sift him like wheat. And Jesus went on to say, he said, I am praying that your faith will sustain you. And when you have repented and returned to me, encourage your brothers. You see, Peter was a little full of himself. We aren't, though, are we? He argued with Jesus. There's no way, Jesus, that I'm going to deny you. I'll die with you. I'll die. He, he was so sure of himself. But we know, as we read in Scripture, that Peter did as Jesus had said that he would. And he denied Jesus three times that night. And when he realized that he wept bitterly, Jesus reinstates Peter beautifully by the Sea of Galilee after Jesus was resurrected. You see, Peter was humbled and the Lord lifted him up. Peter went on to preach at Pentecost and 3,000 were saved. The Lord used him mightily in the early church and his words still ring true to us in Scripture. He learned about humility the hard way. Andrew Murray, in the book Humility, says this, Humility toward men will be the only sufficient proof that our humility with God is real. Humility towards men will be the only sufficient proof that our humility before God is real. I guess you could say that our level of humility towards God is actually proven by how humble we are with one another. Jesus told Peter that Satan had asked to sift him like wheat. And in the last two years, I too have realized that I'm being sifted. See, he didn't just say to Peter that Satan wanted to sift him. He said, Satan wants to sift all of you like wheat. This is not a fun process, but it is necessary. Our Father loves us too much to leave us the way we are. You see, we are image bearers of God, called to plant seeds of hope in a lost and a hurting world. We are not the lawgiver or the judge, but the ones who are called to serve God and others in humility. What James is calling us to is not a one-time event, but this is a lifelong journey of surrender. God has a plan and a purpose 
for each of us, just like Peter. And like Peter, each one of us have failed, but we have this beautiful promise that when we come near to God, he will come near to us. And when we humble ourselves, he will lift us up. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. I wonder how many times in our lives um, humility is not something we really choose. It's not really something that we want to do, but it's something that God allows us to experience. I wonder how many times in our lives we wouldn't have chosen the path of being humbled. God allows circumstances in our lives to allow us to be humbled. I wonder how many things that are happening in your life right now, in my life right now, while we may say, God, where are you? God, what purpose? Why, why would you allow this? The God who loves you so much is allowing you to be humbled. Because in your humility, he will lift you up. Maybe like me, too many times, you're, you're, you're busy trying to lift yourself. How do I get out of this? How can I do, how can I? And, and instead, the God who loves you says, I want you, I want you to humble yourself so I can lift you up, so I can lift you up. Church family, would you close your eyes with me uh, for a minute? Would you bow your heads? And I don't know where you are today, and I don't know the sifting in your life. Just as Jesus told Peter that Satan, the enemy, the enemy of your soul wants to sift you. Maybe there's a lot happening in our lives and in our world right now that feels a lot like a sifting of sorts. And in response to that, in response to that, we can push back, we can fight our way, we can try to lift ourselves up, right? Or we can allow ourselves to be humble. Has there ever been a season in life where it's been more obvious that we're not in control? Has there ever been a season of life where it's been more obvious that we can be here today and gone to, that, that our life is but a mist, James 4 will say next week. Has there ever been a season of life where we've had to step back and just acknowledge that life is fragile? Has there ever been a season of life where we've had to step back and just admit the ugliness at times, the selfishness within us, within others? Today, maybe like me, church family, you would admit, you would acknowledge this is a humbling season. And so uh, we're gonna sing in a minute, but I'm gonna invite you right now with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, we're gonna pray. But maybe like me, you would want to respond today. I don't know how to read words, words that are heavy words. Submit to God, resist the devil wail, weep. These are words of lament. These are words of repentance. I don't know how to, to read words like that and not offer an opportunity to respond. So if today, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed like me, you just, you wanna respond in a posture of humility. Right now, around this room, I'm just gonna invite you. If you're able, would you just kneel? You don't have to, but if you want to today, 
a, a posture of humility, a posture that says, God, I submit to you. I submit to your ways. God, I want to come near to you. I want to humble myself enough to admit I'm not Lord and I'm really not in control. And I really, really, Lord, without you doing the lifting, I have no hope, but I, I want to humble myself and I want to declare your truth that in humility, God, you will lift me up. So as we pray right now, as the song is played, if that's you, would you just have the courage right now, right there at your seat? You, you could come forward. There's an altar here that you can kneel at, but right there at your seat, you can kneel. Just an outward posture that says, God, I, I humble myself today. Lord, today we choose. We choose to humble. We choose not to push back, not to fight our way out of difficult circumstances, Lord, but instead in the hardship, in the difficulty, in the pain, to humble ourselves enough to recognize that you will lift us up in due time. So today, many of us around the room choose a posture of humility. Here I am, Lord, I I humble myself. Here I am, Lord, I'm not God and you are. Here I am, Lord, I, I don't have the answers. Here I am, Lord, I don't know what to do. I humble myself. I humble myself. Would you, would you lift me up, Lord? Would you lift me up? Thank you so much for listening today. Go ahead and subscribe to our channel for updates and new episodes. And if you have any questions about our church or ministries, go ahead and email us at info at cotnaz.org.